You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 2nd, 2018. My name is Phil Prosman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at omd. And today, the Orlando Magic are taking on the Detroit Pistons. Blake Griffin is in town, and Jonathan Isaac is supposed to be back. But we're going to take a little bit of a break from the Orlando Magic because if you live in the Orlando area or if you're just a general Orlando sports fan like I am, you know that this weekend is a very big weekend because it is the opening of MLS season. The Orlando City Soccer Club is back in action at the at Orlando City Stadium this weekend for their opener uh, as they open their third season in MLS, their second at Orlando City Stadium. And as I've done in the past, we're going to talk about, about Orlando City and the Lions. And so I brought in our good pal, Austin David of the Orlando Soccer Show and Orlando City-centric podcast here in the city. Beautiful. Austin, how's it going, man? It's going great. Ready for the season to finally get underway. It feels like it's been a bit too long, but soccer kind of never sleeps in this town. Once the season's over, preseason starts end of January, and you're right back into it. So there's only about a two-month break, and I'm just ready for it to get back underway. And personally for me, uh, at least for the last four or five, at least since Orlando City was founded, actually, um, it's always come at just the right moment because the Magic season's kind of at it's the point where there isn't much to watch. Sorry, Magic. Uh, and it's nice to have kind of the freshness of a new season and the hope of a new season come back in. And, and it seems like with Orlando City this year, there there is a lot of hope. And that might be uh, kind of strange to to casual fans who are thinking... Orlando City, why is there hope? They, they lost Kaká, who's obviously international brand name. They lost their top scorer in Kyle Lahren. What I mean, a lot of change in Orlando City this year, uh, but why, why, does it, why does it feel so hopeful for, for, the, for the Lions this year to, to finally make, break through and make the MLS playoffs? Well, one of the big things that the team did was basically revamp their entire roster. You said Kaká is gone. He retired from professional football. He's enjoying life back in Brazil now. Uh, and then obviously the Kyle Lahren saga was uh, something that is very unique to MLS, I would say. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know, obviously I think Magic fans and just U.S. sports fans in general know about option years when it comes to contracts. But in FIFA, in the world of soccer, outside of the U.S., that is not considered a thing. So... The, the whole Kyle Aaron saga took advantage of that and tried to play the system, whereas Kyle Aaron went to Besiktas, which is a Turkish club that plays in uh, Europe, and basically said uh, they didn't have to pay a transfer fee for Kyle to go there and because his option years didn't count in the ruling of FIFA. So that was a whole drawn-out situation. The club had to hire lawyers, try and sue Besiktas for money, uh, which eventually they got, and it wasn't as drawn out as it could have been, because it could have been a lot worse. So that's all said and done. But Kyle Lahren, obviously the leading scorer in Orlando City MLS history, uh, he actually passed Kevin Molino, who was all in all Orlando City's leading scorer in USL and MLS combined. Uh, so he holds the record for most goals ever scored in Orlando City. And that's obviously very hard to replace. But credit to Jason Kreiss and his staff. They went out and got everybody they could have gotten to make this team a contender this year. So obviously Dom Dwyer, who was one of the faces of Orlando City in 2013 back in USL, which actually helped him 
basically broaden his career into what it is now, which is on the fringe of a U.S. Simmons national team call-up. He is signed now for a three-year deal, so he is going to be sticking around for at least another three years. And he is a uh, designated player as well, so it means his, his money is going to be a lot more than basically anybody else on the team. Um, they also went and got Sasha Kleschen, who was the leading assist man in MLS for the last three years. Um, big signing, had to trade away Tommy Redding, who's been here since 2014, back in USL. He's one of those guys that could develop into a potential U.S. men's national team star. He's only just in the fringe of a U.S. men's national team look. Uh, he's been captain of the U-20 national team, so there's progress there. But also, with this question deal, they filled a need that they felt they had to fill for this season, which is a playmaker in the attack. And despite how Tommy Redding could have been, they needed something now. And that speaks a lot to the mentality of this team and all the moves that they made was that they want to win now. And I think that's also a microcosm of Jason Christ and how safe is his job because of how the last few seasons have been for Orlando City. It hasn't been great. And you kind of touched on it a little bit more. And it's it's a win now situation for Jason to keep his job and really just to keep the interest of soccer in Orlando. Because if you see it with the magic now, I mean, if you're not winning games, then people aren't inclined to show up. So a lot of the moves that they've made are big moves, hoping that in this year they can compete not only to make the playoffs, but potentially to uh, contend for an MLS Cup championship. Yeah, and, and, and we'll get into some of those com- comparisons because uh, I, I do think there there's an interesting kind of city cultural dynamic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very in- interested in, in kind of the sociology of it, to, to be honest. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, MLS is obviously very different than the NBA, so, you know, we'll draw parallels with that caveat and, and, and understand those differences as, as we go along here in this conversation. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you hear that word, win now, uh, you know, coach on the hot seat making, you know, big, bold moves. And it's it, obviously MLS is different and the rules are different and how, how you can acquire players. Uh, and really Orlando City was even at a different stage. But um, there's obviously an impetus for doing that. Uh, and, and, and there's obviously great risk that comes with it. But there's obviously an impetus to doing that. And the way Orlando City finished last year, uh, we were talking before we came on air here, Orlando City last year, essentially had the season the Magic are having this year, right? Like, it, it, it feels that, it almost feels that way. They got off to such a hot start. They were pretty much unbeatable at home. I, I remember that that game against the Chicago Fire, uh, that it was a, I think it was a, a 0-0 draw, uh, and Orlando City played most of that game down a man. I think they were down two men at one point, uh, and they somehow got a draw, and Alexi Lawless on the on the broadcast uh, for for FS1 was gushing about how the fans really understood what was happening, and and that was such a gutsy effort, and it, it felt like a real kind of season defining point or se- season defining result, and yet after a certain point, everything just just fell apart. Uh, what what sort of happened last year? I mean, there's obviously a, a few distractions. Uh, you know, Kyle, there were some legal troubles with some players. Um, which which you, you don't see very often, uh, at least with 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 players in this in this city um, from from Magica. But what what exactly happened to to cause the team to go from the best team in ML in in the Eastern Conference in MLS, like the Magic were earlier this year, to I think it was the worst or second worst team in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, they ended up being the, the second worst uh, when it was all said and done. But you're right. They, they won their first six out of their, their first seven. And they were gelling. They were scoring. Not by big margins, but they were getting out one nothing to one win. And their defense was so good at the beginning yeah. of the year. I mean, it's Jonathan Spector. I mean, he's team captain this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Kim getting hurt, hurt killed the team in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> kind of similar to, to a lot of the guys that the Magic had hurt this year. But um, it, it just all seemed to collapse so quickly. Yeah, it did. And it was it's one of those situations where it I think from my standpoint and covering the team, it just hits so fast and so quickly that they never really recovered. And when you start losing and you lose often and you get hit with four nothing, five nothing defeats and just kind of saps away your confidence. And it's really hard to try and build that back up in order to make yourself a winning team again. And especially with uh, the way that the team was playing, the injuries that they had to face. Um, it was just a struggle from basically, and and this has been something that fans have been talking about since the end of the season, is when Kaká came back after injury, that's when the losing started. So mm-hmm. a lot of fans blame Kaká they, for they Ewing the losing. Right, exactly. And it, you could say that it just changed the, the way, the style that Orlando City played. But at the same time, I mean, he is still a world, former world player of the year and arguably one of the, the best to ever play the game in his era. Uh, 2007 was just a memorable year for him back when he was with AC Milan. He was unstoppable. And to have a player like that playing in Orlando was a, a special time. But you could tell it was just kind of fading. And it was about his time to, to call it a day. So... At the end of the day, when you look at the team and you say, what went wrong? It just, everything, everything that could have gone wrong <laughs> did. And there was, it's it's a learning experience, I think, for the, the guys that are still there. But it speaks volumes, the fact that out of all the players that were there last year, roughly half of them are gone. And, and that never happens in many professional sports. You don't see a turnover of that magnitude unless you feel as a coaching staff, as a GM, or as an owner, that there is something uh, wrong with this team that needs fixing. So that's what the team tried to do in the offseason, is that they they culled what they felt was not going to lead them to success and got successful players, players that not only have proven themselves um, as as veteran players, uh, but also young players that they can try and build up their core with. You know, they've got three different uh, younger players that they've signed this offseason. Chris Mueller, they got in the MLS Super Draft, which is another one of those American holdovers to soccer. <laughs> yep. That never happens anywhere else in the world. Uh, but he's a 21-year-old kid from Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, went to Wisconsin. His senior year, he had 20 assists on the season, which is um, the most, I believe it wasn't ever, in Division One college, but it was um, one of the tops in Division One college history. So he's a playmaker. This preseason, he's proven himself to be a goal scorer. He scored five goals. Again, it's preseason. Can't take too much away from it, but that builds confidence going into the regular season. And then you have another guy. Um, you have two guys, actually. Cam Lindley, who's from Carmel, Indiana. Uh, he went to UNC Asheville. He came out two years early. He was actually t- 
trying to be signed by the Chicago Fire to a homegrown deal, which means that you've grown up in their academy and that you've um, you can sign for a cheaper deal and uh, a lot of little things that I it's too much to go into really. But um, Orlando City managed to trade away Rafael Ramos, who's another one of those players who's been with the team since 2014. Constant hamstring injuries plagued him his entire career, uh, and he really just never shone to what he could have done with his potential and so they traded him to Chicago got a young player 20 year old in Lindley who's I think might actually have a chance at starting on Saturday from what I've seen in preseason he's looked really good really uh, confident especially in the role that he plays Uh, as a defensive midfielder it bridges the gap between the defense and the midfield and that's incredibly important something that really I think, missed out last year. You know, a lot of people blame defensive errors for giving up goals, but it's oftentimes the midfield Mm -hmm. that doesn't stop the ball from coming in that makes the defense have to scramble. And there was just a link missing last year. So a lot of the players that they brought in, not only Cam Lindley, but uh, Yuri Rossell, who's another uh, MLS caliber player who's played with Sporting Kansas City back in 2013, uh, went back overseas. He's from Spain, played in Portugal, so he's got European experience as well as MLS experience, and that's going to be a, an invaluable player to have once he's uh, ready to go. But out of all of those players, including uh, Josue Coleman, he's 19 years old. They signed him to a young designated player deal. There's a lot of talent in this roster. Coleman's still not 100% healthy, so you won't see him on Saturday. He's already been ruled out, but he's five foot six, uh, a playmaker from Paraguay. He's a guy that the team can try and build around. He's not necessarily going to be an immediate impact player. I think he can be. He has the potential to be. But there's no rush on him. Being 19 years old, there's so many players around him that there's no immediate pressure on him to perform. And I think that's important for a lot of these younger guys. Because they have so many veterans around them, there's no pressure for them to perform immediately. They can learn. They can pick up things from playing a full season in MLS and be ready two, three years down the road. So the way that they've compiled this team is really good for not only this year, but for the future. I'm glad you try, you've tried to pronounce uh, Yasue's name before I could, uh, because I, I don't know. I did not know how to pronounce it correctly. I was going to go with like Yose or Yosue or some, something like that. So glad, glad I got that out <laughs> of the way. It's, it's, it's very important to know how to pronounce, pronounce the guy's names uh, on, on the team. Uh, but um, obviously, a lot of new faces. I'll, I'll, we'll touch on, touch into to some of that a little bit more uh, in a bit. But uh, one more point. I mean, you, you talk about building the team the right way, and, and these are things we talk about with the Magic a lot too, right? Um, you know, trying. How do you rebuild a team? How do you build? A, how do you get past years of losing? And for, in the Magic's case, years of losing. It's, it's it's maybe a little bit different with Orlando City. But how do you get past kind of the scars of of losing and 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 fighting off a losing culture? Uh, what has I mean, Jason? You've, you mentioned Jason Christ. Seems like he's on a little bit of a hot seat. That he's he's got to deliver results this year, and and everyone's a little bit impatient, saying, you know, it's been X amount of years. We we made this huge investment. We got this new stadium. It's it's time to deliver. What is Jason Christ doing as the coach, as the manager? I, I don't know what the correct term is. So excuse my excuse my my <laughs> soccer neophytism there, um, but. What what is he doing to to kind of build the culture and, and make sure that that this group or whoever was left 
doesn't fall back into those patterns that they had last season when things started to collapse, and really the last two seasons. Because I remember, you know, they were talking about, you know, especially early in the season, we made mistakes, but we responded to them well, and and in a way that we didn't last year. And so, um, it, how how is he making sure that 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 they don't fall back into the at least the players that are coming back fall back into some of those bad habits? It's interesting you mentioned culture because that's something that Jason Christ has really harped on this off season is that changing the culture into a winning culture, not only a winning culture, but one that responds well to adversity. And they've actually hired a, a sports psychologist to, to kind of work with the team uh, all the time. He's, he's constantly there with them, working with different players and groups to try and uh, weed out some of those things. And, you know, you, you talk to any professional player, you know, it, it kind of bogs you down at some points in time. So having a, a permanent sports psychologist basically in the locker room is going to be huge for them uh, going into the, the really tough parts of the season. But the culture in general, um, the players that, that Jason has brought in, their veteran players, the ones that he has brought in already, are ones that either he's had experience with or ones that have uh, experience in winning. So you have Justin Miram, who's coming from the Columbus crew. Uh, he's basically made the playoffs almost every single year he's been a professional. Um, then you have, you know, Don Dwyer, who's already been here. He won MLS Cup in 2013. Sasha Kleschen, he's been to the playoffs a number of times with New York Red Bulls, won the Supporter Shield, which is the uh, top team in all of MLS. Um, it's like a Yoshi. regular season championship, which if, exactly. if, you've heard, if you've heard me rant, I think the NBA should have a regular season championship. It's not a bad idea, to be honest. Um, one of the newest signings that they brought in is Lamine Sané, who's played mm-hmm. in France and Germany. He's had experience not only at the top flight of professional soccer, but also in winning uh, at the top flight as well. You've got guys like Stefano Pino, who's won in NASL, which is the now defunct league that was it was second division. Then they had a spat with U.S. Soccer, and now they don't exist anymore. Basically, they, <laughs> they've taken the 2018 season off, and their future is very much in jeopardy. But he was the Golden Boot winner and the Golden Ball winner, which means he scored the most goals it, last year. And then two years ago, he had the most assists in NASL. So he is definitely someone to watch out for. And outside of that, I mean, those, those are the guys that I would really point to uh, in terms of the newer signings that wanted – he wants – Jason Christ wants to try and change the culture and build around them. Those are the guys that he's basically tabbed to be the uh, immediate future of Orlando City, and then the younger guys, obviously, the more distant future for Orlando City. But I think with the captaincy, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Jonathan Spector named the captain of Orlando City. But one of the big things that Jason harped on uh, er as early as media day back in the beginning of February, was that uh, he created a core group of quote-unquote captains to help lead the team. It wasn't just one guy. And Jonathan Spector said this even when he was uh, talking about how he was just named captain. He even talked about how it's not just him, it's a collective of guys. So it's Jonathan Spector, Will Johnson, um, Dom Dwyer, Sasha Kleschen, Yoshi Otoon, and... um, Feel like I'm probably Joe Bendick, right? Joe Bendick as well. That's the six guys that Jason Christ had to be the leaders on the field, ones that can take 
the coaches coaching staff's message onto the field and help utilize all the tools they have around them to take what they've taken and done in practice and translate it onto the field. So that's, I think, is something that's that was may, maybe missing last year with Kaká. Kaká is one of those guys. He's never really been the quote-unquote captain. Uh, if you look back at his career, he's always been surrounded by uh, great players, if not some that have gone on to be world-class players. And he's never had to be the guy that has had to be relied on for just about everything. So I think now when you have guys that are coming in out of those six that have captained teams before that have experience leading and working with younger players, I think that's going to be invaluable for the future of the team, not only this year, but for the next two, three years down the road, creating that culture that Jason Christ wants to build around. Yeah, and, and you know, like I remember watching Kaká, and, and obviously Kaká is such a huge name, and he draws so much attention, and 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 he had moments of brilliance in in his what three seasons in Orlando, and three was it three seasons in Orlando? Um, yeah, three seasons. He had moments of brilliance, and you could tell that at points he was the best player on the field. But it it, it felt like sometimes either players were still kind of in awe of him, and and you know didn't feel like they could play up to his level, or he was kind of just a like a step ahead of everyone or it felt like sometimes he was drifting around too much and trying to demand the ball and, and not really making himself available and it really killed the midfield. I, I think you're absolutely right when you when you said, you know, most of the goals you give up are are not really because your defense struggles and, and Orlando City's defense defensive back line struggled at, at points last year. But it, it, the midfield was just, it had such a difficult time getting from the defensive end to the attacking end and creating great attacking opportunities. And, 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 I, and I, would th- I would hope that that is a big part of what Orlando City improved on. And it sounds like that's, that's what they did. Absolutely. I think the, the attack is the biggest part. The attack in midfield is the biggest part of where they improved on, not only in terms of starting caliber players, but depth. I think with last year, with the injuries that they suffered, especially to some of the starting 11 players, that really killed them in the dog days of summer, June, July, and even into August, where they needed to pick up points and results to try and even have a chance of making the playoffs. So going out and getting starting caliber players that won't necessarily start every game, but it gives you the opportunity to kind of shuffle the lineup a bit. If guys need a rest, if guys uh, aren't feeling 100%, you can substitute that guy in and not necessarily lose that much. Um, you know, it's it's almost it's almost too good of a thing to have because <laughs> you you have players that are obviously caliber players that that can start, but you know it's it might get frustrating if they don't get playing time as much as they want. So I think that's the only drawback that you could see from that. But Jason Christ is one of those coaches that. You have to earn your playing time. It's not given to you just because you're a great player and you have all these accolades. He wants you to earn it on the practice field, in the locker room. Uh, At any given point that you can earn your starting spot, Jason Christ is going to look for that. And I think that's invaluable as a coach just to have all your players being on their toes and having to prove themselves day in and day out in order to get playing time. Sasha Klushin is probably the, the biggest biggest signing. Would you say from from the season? I would say yeah. It, I mean, we, you, I think you've touched on it a little bit and and touched on on what he's done in MLS and obviously a big figure uh, if you follow the U.S. national team uh, in in the past uh, at least. Um, uh, what what impact will he have on this team? Like like what what is it that that he will bring to the team that that this this group was missing before? 
I think he's he's just a a player that's not only seasoned in the attack, but he's one of those guys that creates chances for others, but can also finish himself. I think in the it's going to be more or less the same role that Kaká tried to play when he was here, but Kleschen is just more of a facilitator uh, in his mindset rather than a scorer. You know, he's he's led the the league in assists for the last two or three years. Um, he almost, I think, in a hundred games that he played for the Red Bulls, he had just over fifty assists. So that's an assist every other game, just about, which is an incredible number and stat to think. As of. A, that is a crazy rate. Yeah. So bringing in a player like that, who last year had seventeen assists and the year before had twenty assists, that immediately brings your attack to another level. Now, as I said, you need he's going to be the guy that facilitates, but you have obviously have to have somebody to finish those chances. And Orlando City's really tried to go out and get, get other guys that can kind of work in combination with Question. Justin Miram, who's historically been his best as a winger, you may see as more of a second striker alongside Dom Dwyer when he's healthy. Uh, Dwyer, he's had a history of, of scoring goals in MLS and being back in Orlando, he said he, when he was first signed uh, back in 2013 when he was on loan, um, he had a chip on his shoulder and Orlando really meant something to him. Now coming back, he says that he feels that he has unfinished business and really takes that to heart in terms of uh, performing for this city. So you have those two guys and then Stefano Pino I touched on earlier. He's going to be playing up front uh, as well as uh, Chris Mueller. So you have four guys that have the potential to finish chances created by Sasha Kleschen. Uh, and that's not even touching on, on guys like uh, Will Johnson, who might be playing uh, more advanced. And then obviously Pierre De Silva, Jose Coleman, guys that are all in the attack that have uh, potential to be great. But the guys that I mentioned earlier, those are the guys that primarily are going to be the ones finishing chances created by Sasha Kleschen. And if you go back and watch some of the highlights that he has produced over the last two, three years, he really just changes games um, with the way he has uh, vision-wise. Think of it as a point guard in basketball. Um, I mean, that's, no that's look- what the number 10 is. I mean, the, the, exactly. the quote-unquote number 10 player, he doesn't always wear number 10 as a jersey, but the, like, the role that's been kind of made synonymous by Pele, by Pele and, and you know every, every great Brazilian like, midfielder wears number 10, it seems. Right. And, and you, you think of it as basketball. The, the positions yeah. are numbered one to five. You know, he's, he's the number 10, but he's, he's playing as the number one, the point guard, the, the facilitator. Uh, but he initiates the offense. He's the one that, that sets everything up for his teammates. He's not necessarily the one who, who hits threes or, or scores layups or anything like that, but he gets the players into the right places to allow them to create easy shots for themselves and score as much as they can. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a great signing for them. And I really couldn't be happier with, with um, the kind of player that, that he is because uh, it's very much needed for this team. This is the question that's going to put you on the spot. What are the expectations, the reasonable expectations for this team this year? Is this, an, is this finally a playoff team? Well, if it's not, then it's going to be a, that's an issue. That's a really big issue if they are not. A so I mean, team so so uh, I mean, so, then let me let me rephrase it or, or, or phrase it a different way. 
in your opinion, this is a do-or-die season for Orlando City. If they don't make the playoffs this year, the heads are going to roll. Oh, I, uh, absolutely, 100% that. The way that they've spent money on this season, the amount of players that they've brought in to specifically not only just make the playoffs, but to prove to the rest of the league that they are a capable team in MLS, uh, especially with the, the last three years of poor performances. It, it's it's really... I think the ownership is putting the pressure on this team, on Jason Christ. If they don't perform, they don't make the playoffs this year, there will be a lot of turnover uh, within the front office, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you think it's you think the pressure is that high on the season that it's almost a, uh, you know, again, I got to bring a Magic comparison because that's 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 the base of reference I have. It's almost like last year when the Magic, you know, went out and made some big moves and and got Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo and, and and really took some risks to try and push the pro, push their process or push their team uh, ahead. And and I would argue that Orlando City's a few steps ahead of where Orlando where the Orlando Magic were. Um, when when they made those decisions, um, you know you got a player like Dom Dwyer who is an MLS All Star caliber player. Um, you did, I mean, the way you can acquire players in soccer is very different than the way you can acquire players in the NBA. Uh, Sasha Kleshin is an All Star. Uh, you know, Orlando City, second worst team in the Eastern Conference, signed an All Star in free agency essentially, or acquired one in a trade. That, that that doesn't happen in the NBA. So the rules are different to to get pl- to get players and and people who want to compare. Orlando, what Orlando City did as the second worst team in the league to what the Orlando Magic are probably going to do this summer as the second worst team in the league. Um, it, there isn't a comparison. I, I, I want to make that clear. But you, you think that this is very much a season like the one the Magic had last year where if they don't get something done, it, it, everything's going to change. At this point, I would say that. Okay. Uh, you really don't know how it's going to turn out unless you actually see how it works because going back to the magic you brought in Serge Ibaka but it it just didn't seem to work out and he was traded you know halfway through the season so it's it's a matter of how this team will gel throughout the early parts of the season that will give you a better barometer of how uh how much the team is willing to give in terms of results um the nice thing is it's a long season 34 games runs from march basically till the end of uh september or october i believe so it's there's a lot the, it's essentially the whole magic off season the way the way i like to describe the mls season is the first month and the last month always overlap <laughs> yeah actually it's it's um <laughs> it's it fits really, perfectly it really is um i remember I think it was two or three, two or three years ago when the Magic played the same day as the Orlando City opener, and which they will uh, again Saturday, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and you had a situation where you didn't know how parking was going to be. Downtown is already a mess, uh, just with Magic games. But you add an Orlando City game where they're trying to have a, a sold out twenty five five in the stadium to go along with the Orlando Magic. It it makes for a nightmare to try and find any parking in Orlando. But I, again, I go back to it. I think. You see how this team will gel. They've already done well in the preseason. Uh, they all talk about how they've all come together as a team. They've done different uh, different things to try and build team chemistry. They go out to eat. They make sure that no man is left behind. They always go do different things as a team to try and build the, the chemistry within the group and not just have isolated clicks. They all try and be together. And 
it's it's great on paper. It sounds absolutely fantastic, but you you won't know until you actually see it in action. And the first time we'll see that is on Saturday. Yeah, and it's obviously going to be an exciting game Saturday. If if you don't, if you decide not to go to the Amway Center to see the Orlando Magic, you know, it's currently as we enter Friday's game, sporting an eighteen and forty-two record, eighteen and forty-three record, take on the Memphis Grizzlies, who entering Friday's games are sporting an eighteen and forty-two record. If you don't want to go see that game. Orlando City versus DC United should be a very good one. Always, always fun to have a season opener. I think um, uh, it's it's definitely uh, season. Anytime a new season opens, there is just so much promise, and 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 it, it is intoxicating to get into that into that and into that feeling. Um, one more question on, on Orlando City. Uh, you know, Jason Christ is obviously a huge part of everything in soccer. The head coach really does have a huge hand in building the roster and kind of picking out the players that, that he wants. And like you said, it, it seems like it's a big year for, for Jason Christ as well as the whole organization and franchise. Um, Christ has been there now for a full season and, and a half of a season. And, you know, Orlando City, I think, initially said they, they had kind of like a three-year rebuild idea with Adrian Heath, and they kind of scrapped that pretty quickly. But what's the kind of style that Christ is trying to build and and did he did he reach that style in in any way last season in in his first full season as the head coach of the team hmm that's that's actually a really good question um with Jason and historically he likes to play a sort of formation that really keeps everything narrow and in the center of the pitch so it's it's primarily known as a 442 diamond where they have four defenders four midfielders and two attackers up top and Jason primarily likes those two attackers up top because he feels that it creates more opportunities going forward than having just one guy sitting up top and having to do all the work by himself it's just nice just having a pair of players up front that can work together to try and score but in the midfield the diamond is is the reason it's known as a diamond is that it's a one defensive midfielder in front of the four defenders two central midfielders uh, on the left and right, and then one attacking midfielder up top. So it's shaped, the midfield is shaped like a diamond. That's primarily what Jason Christ has been known for. And he he jokes about it all the time because people bring it up and it's like, uh, I didn't invent invent the diamond. <laughs> I just I, I just used it a lot. You just play um, one on TV. But, <laughs> right. And, and the way that Jason Christ has kind of approached this preseason is that he's tried some different formations. He's not... He's not married to the idea of playing the diamond all the time, which most people think he is. But he wants to be flexible with this team. He doesn't want to be predictable. And I think that's another issue that Orlando City has faced over the years. They've, they became a bit too predictable by some other teams. Obviously, when you're, when you're scouting different teams, if you're running the same thing over and over and over again, it makes it very easy to scout this team and understand the tendencies of how they like to play. So if you keep it changing all the time and you you work on it in practice and you have different options and you're not just set on one specific thing that makes your your team that much more dangerous when it comes to playing different opponents because you can kind of prepare a different way to play these different teams and really prepare more to play the team than you are just running a formation and hoping it works yeah and i and i think that's one of the like i think that's why a lot of basketball fans are drawn to soccer in a lot of ways uh, because soccer, very similarly to basketball, although I think in, in a bigger way than basketball is, 
is a game of improvisation. Like, you, you can't... I mean, there are set plays. There's there's free kicks. There's corner kicks. But really, soccer, there, there's so few stoppages. It's up to the players to figure things out and, and figure out how to break down a defense and, and problem solve in real time and, and create opportunities and, and, and connect on opportunities. And, and, and I think that's... that To me, that's what I've always... When I, when I really started watching soccer, that's what I really loved about it is... It, it it it's very much how I like basket my basketball. I love my basketball to be a lot of improvisation. You have rules that you kind of set up and some basic sets that you run and screens that you run. But like I grew up in I grew up in a Princeton style offense. That's 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 how I really learned how to play basketball, and I loved it because it's really just about working together. There there aren't really set plays in a pure Princeton offense. You just Go through go through motions and reads and find and eventually the defense will break down and that's that's what soccer is like at a really high level I think is is you just kind of keep keep kind of shaping and shifting the defense until you break until you break it almost and and I mean I, I agree I think Orlando City last year um, was fairly predictable I mean you, a lot of teams were able to kind of freeze out Kaká in the midfield and no one else was really able to create they couldn't get the ball to Kyle Laren and even though I thought Laren was better at collecting the ball and and holding it while the while teammates caught up to him a little bit um that doesn't lead him to scoring goals and didn't put him in great goal scoring positions and and obviously when he is your primary goal scorer that's a problem so having more varied weapons having guys who can deliver the ball multiple guys who can pass the ball into that attacking third that's going to change your game because it, it just opens up more opportunities, just like it would with basketball, where you have more shooters, you create more space, you have guy, more guys you can create off the dribble. That's going to tear defense apart. Um, different guys with different different ways they can attack, some versatility. That's going to win you. That's going to win you games, no matter no matter the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to the Princeton offense, you know that was that was something that we ran over at Rollins College. Obviously, Tom Klusman is was incredibly famous for running the Princeton offense and and zone defenses over there when I was there as the uh, student assistant coach. So uh, I, I admire the Princeton offense just as much as you do, I think. And and with you in Northwestern, it was a very similar style. Yeah. Um, but I, I I agree with that. It's 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 really up to uh, creating uh, on the fly and and. It, it it's it's a very similar style and and I think for soccer it's synonymous I, I guess you could say yeah I've obviously made some parallels to, to the magic um that's that's what I know that's that's what we talk about here and and and, and both teams kind of occupy the, the same city and it's 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 strange that, that both teams are kind of not in the same spot because I, I think Orlando City is is it's a different sport, obviously. It's different rules for, for contracts, but they're in probably a, a more advanced position. They've been able to kind of bounce back a little bit quicker. Um, their fan base is obviously very impassioned and, and very, very involved with the team. But you, you seem to hint earlier on that they may be losing some of those fans. Do you, do you think another season where they struggle could damper some of the enthusiasm about about this franchise, about this kind of new thing that, that Orlando has has grown, really? I think the way that soccer has grown in this city has been ex- exponentially bigger than many people would have thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the, the hardcore diehard fans, they'll show up, win or lose, rain or shine, and they've proven that on multiple Absolutely. occasions where it's it's pouring outside and they're still out there partying. And I, I give incredible respect to those guys for, for doing what they do. And all the, the, the designs on the TIFOs, the... Uh, the stuff they do in the stadium, all the the signs, the flags, the amount of effort that goes into that uh, is is garners a tremendous amount of respect. 
Um, and, and, but I think and every and I mean uh, not to not to butt in here, but you know, I, I, everyone should be jealous of the passion that the Wall, the Ruckus, ILF that that those guys show. I mean, I I, I I've 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 stood with the Ruckus before um, in in the USL days. They're just incredibly passionate fans, and and they make Orlando City Stadium the home field advantage that it is. And it, even even when the team was losing last year, it it, it was a home field advantage still. Absolutely. And I, those are not absolutely not the guys you're going to be worrying about no, in terms of no. losing attendance. It's it's the fair weather fans, the guys that that like to show up every so often to a game. They're not season ticket holders. They're ones that well, they, they want to go see a, a fun time. They want to take the kids. They want to go and and watch a soccer game, try and get them involved. It's a fun and, Saturday uh, afternoon. Exactly. Uh, I think those are the, the fans that you might see if they continue the, the losing ways you might see them say, well, why, we can just watch the games at home. Why do we need to go spend money to go watch a losing team? And that's you kind of see that with the Magic. You, if, if the Magic are, are losing and if you're not a season ticket holder and you're, you're going to see a, a Magic Hawks game, the only real reason to, that you're going to be going is if you have some stake in, in watching the Hawks for some reason or if, if tickets <laughs> or are, if you, are $20. Or if you paid for the ticket already and you're like, might as well go. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, I actually went to the Magic Hawks game. I'll admit I to that. <laughs> um, yeah. But the the thing with that was that uh, Fox Sports Florida was offering tickets for, for $15 for lower bowl, which is, you know, that's that's hard to pass up. But for, for that kind of matchup where the Magic are playing the Hawks, that's that's the selling point. $20 lower bowl tickets, which you, you never get. So I don't know if we're going to get to the point where Orlando City is going to be doing uh, that you already have a little inclination of that where they're doing a, a five pack deal for games where you buy tickets uh, for five different games and you have discounted price, but then you're locked in for five games. Um, depending on how the season goes, I think uh, we'll see how ticket sales end up, how many people uh, renew for season tickets. Um, but the nice thing about having a, a smaller stadium than the Camping World Stadium is that um, most of the time you're close to selling out. Uh, if not, you are already. And I think, and uh, and I think the demand's still there. I mean, I think I think it's yeah. still a fairly new thing. It's the second year in a new stadium. There's still a lot of excitement excitement about the season and about the team. And 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 you know, this is this is still. I mean, the Magic have talked about this. It was talked about in in the Thirty for Thirty documentary, which serves as a little bit of an Orlando documentary too, in some respects. Mm-hmm. This is still a college football town. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I I think the one ad- a huge advantage that Orlando City has over over the Magic. Uh, and really, uh, MLS kind of has over the NBA and MLB and, and some NHL and some of those day like those are daily sports. Like there's there is something every day with those sports. The fact that there's only one game per week, it is an event every weekend. It, it, that that matters. I mean, you go you go to Orlando City games as much to go to an Orlando City game as you do the experience of going to an Orlando City game. And you know, the passionate fans make that experience worth it on their own a lot of times too. Uh, you know, Orlando, I think, has honestly grown a lot as a city. You know, if you remember the Magic back in the in the early 2000s with Tracy McGrady, no one showed up at those games. The Magic had one of the five best players in the league, and no one showed up to those games because no one really had hope that they that they'd grow into a championship team. I think everyone was still a little spoiled from the the Shaq and Penny days, uh, but 
they, they, they wouldn't show up to games even with a great player on the team, even with a playoff player. Now you look at the Magic, um, you know, as an example, and yeah, Magic attendance is down, TV ratings are are still way down, but the Magic still fill that arena. Um, you know, I've got my box score from Wednesday night against the Raptors, and Toronto's maybe a special case because there's a lot of Canadians in town, um, in, in in Florida naturally, and in Orlando naturally. Um, but seventeen thousand three hundred twenty-eight for a Wednesday night game featuring the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Yes, Toronto's the best team in the Eastern Conference, but that's not a sexy team by any stretch of the imagination. The Magic are still selling out games regularly, or at least listing a sellout. And some of that is the Magic have done a really good job marketing their tickets to Brazilian tourists. And, you know, Orlando and Brazil have a special relationship. Uh, this is a place that that people come to vacation, and they're going to experience the city as much as they can. But I think I think Orlando fandom as a whole can support both teams, number one. I still hear people say there's no way Orlando can support both teams. I think that's 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 wrong. Orlando can support both teams. Um, but number two, I think people, I think the fan base for the Magic is dormant. They want a winner, and when a winner comes, they'll show up. And I think the same can be said for Orlando City. It's still new. People still want the experience. People still go, and I think they will still go in, in big numbers. Um, but when that team wins, it, it's going to explode, just like it'll explode when the Magic start winning again. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And you taking it back to the 2011 to 2014 seasons of USL, one of the reasons that they garnered so much support in the early days and it kept growing uh, over over time, you know, from 2011 to 2014, they were averaging a, a healthy number of fans and it just continued to grow was because they were winning and they were the best team in USL and it was there was and no it wasn't argument. Close. <laughs> right, they were beating teams handily and controlling games for 85 90 minutes of the match and it, it was always fun to go out and watch an adrian heath team because you basically knew they were going to win and that's one of the reasons that it started being so successful is that fans who originally went to games they'd go out to their friends and say hey this is a really fun time this team wins all the time and it's a great atmosphere you should come try and check it out and it's just kind of a grassroots kind of feel of how the club got started and how it all became to what it is now. Uh, and it, you can argue it's become more of a, a corporate business type atmosphere. But I think with, with Kay Rollins, who is part of the Orlando City Foundation, mm-hmm. she's the head of it. She's been there since the beginning. She's really helped maintain that connection to the community. And the amount of stuff the Orlando City Foundation does for the community, yes, uh, not just with in terms of soccer, but um, the amount of stuff they do with with. Uh, homelessness and just people in the Paramore area. It's crucial to to keeping the the team kind of grounded to those grassroots uh, that grassroots mentality that they they started with back in 2011. And they and they took the lead. And part of it was because it happened in the summer during Orlando City season. They took the lead uh, as as a recovery vehicle, as a, as kind of an emotional vehicle for Pulse too. And and I think I think honestly, the city's going to always be indebted to to what Orlando City. Uh, was able to do to help the city recover in the wake of Pulse. And, and, and you know, the Magic have an admittedly sh- kind of shaky ground to stand on when it comes to LGBTQ issues. Um, they weren't in season anyway, so they really couldn't do very much. And, I, and the Magic did plenty. Like, don't, don't get, I'm not here to, to say the Magic didn't do anything in the aftermath of Pulse. I mean, Alex Martins ran the One Pulse Foundation. Um, he was critical to, the, the families and survivors and victims of that tragedy 
getting the help that they needed. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's undoubtedly a huge connection between Orlando City and the community in, in a way that, you know, the, I think the Magic have that, but not in the same way. I mean, the NBA is just such a different animal than MLS, and, and basketball and NBA fandom are just so different than than uh, than the way soccer fandom is built. And, and, and I always tell this to people, I don't view the Magic in Orlando City in competition. I think they work well together. Um, I think you can be fans of both. I th- again, I think the city can support both fairly easily. Um, but it, you know, there's definitely a, there's definitely a different feeling about the way those two, two those two teams interact with the city. And, and some of it is yes, Orlando City has been a winner more frequently, and I think the Magic kind of hide a little bit when when they're not winning because a a lot of the players on the roster aren't going to be here for very long. Um, you know, I, I think I think what hurt a lot of Magic fans as much as anything was Victor Oladipo felt like someone who's going to be in this community for a long time, and all of a sudden he was just gone. And and there's really, I mean, people like Nikola Vucevic, but they don't like him the same way that I think they or they didn't pin their hopes on him in the same way they pin their hopes on a player like Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, I've told people who said the Magic might trade Aaron Gordon or shouldn't re-sign Aaron Gordon. I'm like, if they don't re-sign Aaron Gordon this summer, fans are going to riot. <laughs> um, and if they don't, that's probably a problem in itself too. Um, so there's there's definitely there's definitely a connection that I think Magic are lacking that that Orlando City has really touched on and and really uh, really grown with as well. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Um, and, and you know, going back to the whole. Orlando City Foundation thing with with Kay Rollins. The the reason it's so successful is it's basically its own entity. Mm-hmm. You know, she runs the entire operation with uh, a few of her her people, and it, it runs somewhat separately from the club. So they can do a lot more um, in terms of outreach to the community, whereas the club can still focus on getting results on the field and being successful as as much as they can. So that that's kind of the unique situation comparatively to the Magic because I know they do a lot in the community, but Orlando, the Orlando Magic Youth Foundation has has donated a ton of money. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think I mean maybe the Magic aren't as public with it as they could or should be. Um, you know maybe it it, it maybe it just, I, I don't know what it is. I mean I'm not I'm not I don't understand how the, the that game works. I guess. Um, but uh, you know winning matters. All that stuff matters. Um, as as we wrap up this hour here, Austin. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the Orlando Magic. You're obviously a, a member of the media here in Orlando. You've covered Orlando City for a long time, but you also cover the Magic on occasion. Um, it's it's obviously been a difficult year. We've we've touched on some of the reasons why it's difficult throughout our conversation about Orlando City. But um, what do you make of this season? Uh, you know, if there is a if if you can if you can find and, and squeeze out one positive out of the de- depleted toothpaste bottle that is this season what is that one positive (laughs) they will have a good draft pick in this year's nba draft (laughs) i think that's the mentality for a lot of magic fans this year it's it's gotten to the point where they they kind of just have given up on this team they're 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 on the bottom of the nba standings they are Uh, the the, bottom of the nba standings (laughs) exactly and there's the hope however little for orlando Magic fans to make the playoffs is is minimalistic at best, and I think the mentality is tank, get a good player, and try again next year. Where wh- whether that's with Frank Vogel or not, that will 
to be determined. And I think I, I really don't know what the future is for Frank Vogel with the Magic because obviously there was a rumor coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was today or yesterday that um, Jerry Stackhouse was being considered for the Magic job, and that was kind of out of left field. Uh, yeah, it came me. out of nowhere. Like someone someone mentioned it to, mentioned to me uh, something that that Steve Kyler of Basketball Insider said, and in, in his usual just kind of Twitter interactions with people, uh, and then Mitch Lawrence of Sporting News kind of drop that little nugget in, in, a, in a larger story. And I was just like, where, like, where is this coming from? Especially with the magic having gone through so many coaches in a short amount of time. And, you know, it, this team probably needs to start a little bit more from scratch. Um, I think that that's definitely something they have to consider. And uh, I, I've, I've told everyone this, I, I'm, people know I, I like Vooch, I like Evan, you know, they're good, they're good people, and, and I hate, you know, when you, when, you, when you cover the team and interact with the players, you learn a little bit more about who they are as people uh, than you might as a fan, and, and, and you do like guys. Um, and and I, I don't think Vucevic and Fournier are bad players, and I think fans, you know, kind of hit them a little harder than, than maybe they should, uh, but... It definitely feels like it's time to flip over this core and 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 move on from players that were key the last five six years and and find new guys to kind of anchor the team and and I've I've said this for a while now since it was clear the Magic were going to have one of the worst records in the league. You start off with a core of Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and whoever you draft. That's something. I can I can I can believe in that for for the next th- three four five years. Yeah, and I think. The way that this team is is built around, obviously Rob Hennigan built this team, uh, at least the the main core of it with the draft picks that he made and the signings that he made. Um, but now you got to give Jeff Weltman and John Hammond a chance to to build their own vision of what they want the Orlando Magic to be. And I think they haven't necessarily gotten the chance to do that just yet. Uh, whether that's with Frank Vogel, if they want that to be their guy, because again, they didn't hire him; he yep. was inherited from the old administration and usually when gms uh come in to a new team they want to hire their guy and obviously jerry stackhouse is a jeff weltman guy yeah and and jason kidd is out there too you know he's he's floating around and obviously he was with (laughs) he's definitely a john hammond guy so the question is is uh frank vogel in the plans of the this new administration or is it something that they just had to deal with this year and then they're going to bring in their guy next year. Uh, I think that's going to give you a, a better direction of where this team's going to go for the future and how this new administration is going to handle the the uh, much-needed rebuild for this team. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Magic maneuver things this summer. Um, obviously, all the attention has turned to the summer. Um, you, know, team, if, if you can go back and listen to our previous podcast uh, on Locked On Magic, uh, it's I think Orlando Magic Daily podcast episode eighty one. I talked with Keith Smith after the trade deadline um, about what the Magic can do, um, and and it turns out it's very very little so far, unless they can free up some cap room somehow. Um, they're, they're gonna, I think they're gonna be active in the trade market. Obviously, the draft pick's gonna be huge uh, for this team, and 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 we'll see what happens. It's 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 both a, a terrifying and a scary time, but you know, kind of like what you said with Orlando City and and their front office. And how they're seemingly putting a lot of their eggs into the into this year's basket, um, I get the sense from Magic fans that they don't want to wait either. That I mean, I, I've, I've you know, Twitter brings out the worst of, of people for sure. But 
I've definitely heard from a lot of people who are like, is this really going to take another three, four years? Like, Weltman and Hammond need to deliver now or they need to be gone. And this is their first year. This is their first year. And I'm literally like, they literally couldn't do anything this year. They're probably not even going to be able to do anything next year. But they're... There's definitely, I think, a hunger within the Magic fan base to see progress immediately. And I'm telling everyone in this draft, these guys have flaws. You're going to have to wait a little bit on young guys, but give them a little bit of hope, and and, and, and I think that, that fans will jump on board. You just got to give them a reason to cheer again. Yeah, and and it's just the the history the history of of where this team has been over the last few years. It's yeah, it's been a struggle. It's a lot of pain. To, to, it's a lot of pain. This the last it, it six years. It really has. It really has. And and dealing with that as a fan, and and having to sit through all these games of of them underperforming and and not living up to the potential of of where they could be, it's really frustrating for fans because then you look at uh, the Seventy Sixers. Trust the process. It seems to be working out now for them. Um, but with their mentality, they had a lot of patience with the fan base. Uh, they they waited on Joe Lemby. They waited on Ben Simmons. And they're still waiting on... Um, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Yeah, exactly. So they're still not at the full potential that they can be. But they're already looking to be a playoff contender this year. And that's after how many years of being bad or one of the worst teams in the league. So you look at how they've run things and the, the process being trusted... Um, and you almost have to say, well, if you want something like that, you have to be patient. You can't just have what they have immediately. And the the old saying, Rome wasn't built in one day, that rings completely true with this team. You have to let the administration do what they have to do to build up this team to be successful. You can't be impatient with it. Yeah, and you got to be a little bit lucky too. I mean, this is still this is a star-based league. Everyone reminds me that because I've been very anti-tank uh, for a while now. This team's bad enough; they're going to lose games. Don't worry about it. Um, it, it you got to be a little bit lucky too. Um, you got to hit on draft picks. Um, you got if you want the top guys, you've got to win the lottery. It's essentially what it comes down to. It's 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 pure luck sometimes, and you got to make your own. You got to be able to make your own luck uh, at the right moments too. And and that's something that Rob Hennigan was never able to do with his draft picks. Um, and, and then he lost, and then he and the organization lost some patience. Um, it seems like the Magic learned their mistakes on that, and, and they're going to be willing to wait things out a little bit longer. Um, I, I read an interview that Jeff Waltman gave with a publication in, in, in Toronto saying, you know, we're still figuring out the right path for this team. So I think a lot of options are open for Orlando to grow, and how this draft shakes out is going to probably determine which direction they go and, and how they decide to build their team. And so it's, it's, it's again, an exciting, but also a scary time for the magic. Well, I don't want to hold you here much longer, Austin. I want to thank you for giving us some insight on Orlando city and, and the season coming up like the magic, definitely a very interesting time for Orlando city. It's going to be great to follow the lions throughout the year. Um, Austin, uh, tell everyone where they can find you if they have any other Orlando city questions, or if they want to want to listen to your podcast. Right. So my Twitter handle is Austin, David 22, I usually uh, am at practice every day, kind of give did little tidbits of what's going on with the team, the injuries, the uh, mentality around the team and all that. And of course, I have the Orlando Soccer Show, which we've been doing since 2015. Uh, we actually rebranded. It used to be called the Fourth Official. Uh, so our Twitter handle is still that uh, because we're waiting on, on the Orlando Soccer Show Twitter handle to actually open up. So it's currently fourth official show. That is the number four TH official show. And uh, we do shows just about every week. 
other media members that have been covering this team since uh, 2012, myself, uh, Mike Gramajo, Gavin Eubank, who you've had on the show before. Um, those guys are usually with me, and we, we go into depth about just about everything, and not only with Orlando City and the Orlando Pride, the women's team, but also UCF, uh, Rollins College, all the local soccer that's going around in the Orlando area. Yeah, definitely a great resource. If you're interested in Orlando City, if you're interested in the Orlando sports scene, I definitely suggest you follow Austin. Listen to his podcast as well. Uh, you know, I know Mike. I know Gavin. Gavin's been a guest on the show in the past before as well. Um, all great guys. They know their stuff. So if you're interested in learning more about the Orlando soccer scene, about, the Orla- about Orlando City, um, and about the Lions and the Pride as well, Definitely give them a follow. They do a fantastic job. Again, that's the fourth. That's that's the Orlando Soccer Show. It's at the fourth official on Twitter. Austin, I want to thank you for joining us here on the show today. I'm going to do my close now. You can of course follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now on Spotify as well, if I'm not mistaken. So be sure to subscribe and download there. You can of course. Give us a five-star rating. Let everyone know how great our show is because we cover. We not only cover the Magic, we also talk about Orlando City and, and teams that ha- actually have hope for the season and, and for the year. And hopefully they don't get squashed like they did last year. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that's neither here nor there. We'll be back to Magic Talk on Sunday during the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Uh, that'll be at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page, facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. And if you miss that, it'll be Monday's episode of Locked on Magic for you at, at, on your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, and of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including a look ahead and a look back at the games this weekend, as the Orlando Magic have a home back-to-back against the Detroit Pistons and the Memphis Grizzlies Friday and Saturday, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as follow us on Twitter for the latest updates at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for joining us for today's episode of Locked on Magic. I want to thank Austin David as well for coming on the show, too. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.